Welcome to the Crook in the Book podcast, where three pastor friends discuss the Bible and how it connects to life and local church ministry. I'm Luke Miller, and I'm here with my coworkers and friends, Jeremy Muncy and Andrew Ballage. Uh, so guys, today's episode is going to be a special one. We're going to do our first episode on a special uh, topic. And so the topic we're going to be discussing today, something that we're committed to at Westwood, something that we endeavor to practice every time we preach, and that is expository preaching. Uh, since we're talking about preaching, we did just want to highlight that Westwood Theological Academy is just about to start a course on preaching and homiletics. So I'm going to throw it to the instructor who happens to be present here today, Jeremy Muncy. Uh, why don't you give people a rundown real quick of what the class is and how they can sign up. Yeah, um, the class is, is, isn't is just uh, aimed at preachers. It's aimed at anyone that communicates the Word of God. Um, and so whether or not you're a pastor preaching sermons or someone who just wants to learn how to lead a Bible study or how to communicate the Word better to your children in the home or or anyone that just wants to learn how to break down a passage of Scripture and communicate it in a way that does justice to the text. And so uh, that that class starts, like you said, on February 26th, but the first meeting date isn't until March 3rd. Uh, it, it runs on Sundays from 2 to 5 uh, p.m. Uh, after church to give you some time to eat some lunch and that sort of thing and get back. Uh, it runs for eight weeks, and I, I think— uh, I think it's going to be a tremendous blessing to those who come. You get to preach two sermons and be evaluated uh, and get feedback. And and it's not like a real um, intimidating environment. Everybody's kind of recognizing that folks are learning how to teach and how to preach. And and so it's a gracious environment to, to learn uh, how to how to break apart and deliver God's word. So Awesome. Anybody's well, welcome. If, you, if you're interested and want to sign up, just go to Westwood Theological Academy. Org, and you can enroll there. All right, uh, let's start with definitions, guys. Andrew, I'll throw it to you first. What is expository preaching? How would you define it? I think expository preaching is text-driven preaching. Uh, I think the, the goal of the expositor is, first of all, to find out what the author meant when they wrote the text. <laughs> and so it, there's a lot that happens behind the scenes in expository preaching that you don't necessarily see. You don't, you don't want to, uh, you know, all of your study doesn't want to be included in your expository sermon, but a lot of study has to happen uh, in order for a good expository sermon mm. to, to take place. And so uh, I think it starts with exegesis. I mean, you're, you're mining the content of the text trying to arrive at what the author originally intended, what they meant. And you have to take into account genre and where you are in the uh, history of redemption. You have to take in historical and grammatical considerations, uh, all of those things uh, to arrive at what does this text mean in its original context. And then uh, that meaning is what drives the sermon. So what was the point that the author was trying to make, uh, some version of that is going to be the point of your sermon. And then all of the rest of it is unfolding, explaining, illustrating, applying uh, the point of that original uh, original author. All of the subpoints that you have in a sermon, an expository sermon, would be supporting and, and showing and defending that uh, main point of the text that you have uh, made, of course, 
presentable in a, in the form of preaching. Um, and so the point of the text isn't always exactly the same as the point of the sermon, uh, but they're very, very closely, closely connected. And so in short, I would just say it's text-driven preaching rather than uh, me trying to uh, communicate the message that Andrew has and then uh, defend it with Bible verses. I'm trying to communicate in our case right now at Westwood, we're going through the book of James. I'm trying to communicate what James means in this passage uh, and then illuminate it for our people, uh, for the audience, for the hearers through illustrations. And then, of course, moving forward even further from illustration and explanation to uh, application. Uh, how how should we live because of what uh, this biblical author has said? So text-driven preaching that includes uh, a main point that's defended, illustrated, and applied. Well, I think it's important. You mentioned subpoints there. You know, before we move on, I, I think it's important to even show where you're getting your subpoints in the text. You know, what I mean, your illustration, your application at times won't be directly connected to the text in a way that's visible, but your subpoints. You know, what I mean the the outline, in other words, of your sermon should be reflected in the text if it's really text-driven preaching. Um, and now that can be done in different ways. But And sometimes a sermon only has one main point, and that's it. You know, you don't really have any subpoints, and you're just fleshing out that main point and illustrating it and applying it in different ways. But I, I'm in total agreement. It's text-driven preaching. The Word of God is what's driving the entire sermon from, from start to finish. And the reason why we do that is, uh, I think what Jeremy is going to speak to next, right? I mean, it's a holy, the Holy Spirit promises to work through the word for one. Amen. And that's why we're so committed to it. Absolutely. Amen. Well, let's just go there, Jeremy. If someone were to say, okay, why? There's dozens of models out there of how I should preach, of what I should do. Why do we stick to expositional preaching? Yeah, I mean, I guess what I would say in the beginning is I think we preach expositorily because, and I, and I use that word uh, because it's an actual word in the dictionary, uh, come to find out. Uh, but we, we preach expositorily because uh, we respect God. We respect the author of Scripture. Um, and we want to communicate what he wants to communicate, not necessarily what we feel should be communicated. We recognize that we're fallen beings that we, we make mistakes, but God doesn't make mistakes. And so his word is precious. His word is, is supreme. And, and first off, uh, you know, um, I guess I'd say you know, out of that, the first thing that flows out of re a respect for God is a willingness to obey what he commands us to do in his word. And in his word, he commands us to preach and not just to preach anything, but to preach his word. And so, uh, you know, Second Timothy 4, 2 I, you know, Paul says to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's the judge of living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's funny. He, he's, there are so many imperatives there. You know, there are so many things he uses to, 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 to set up this command. I charge you in the presence of God. I mean, and of Christ Jesus, who's the judge of living and the dead. I mean, he is serious about this command. Uh, preach the word. He says, then he says, you know, be ready in season, out of season. And in other words, no matter what, preach the word. And so I, th I think that's the, uh, the, the first um, outworking of just a respect for God and his word is just an obedience to the command that he's given uh, to preach his word. I, 
I'd also say too um, that we're commanded to preach his word, not just because uh, you know he, he's just he, he's this megalomaniac that just uh, just just my word and and for no good reason I just want my word preached. No, it's it's because his word is living and active. It's 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 infused with supernatural power. It's effective. There, there are so many reasons why he wants us to use his word. His word is the best thing for us, um, and he knows that. Uh, his word is uh, it's amazing. I mean, when you look at all the things that Scripture says about the Bible and what it does and accomplishes, it, it should blow your mind. Um, you think about Hebrews you know, 4.12, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, in Jeremiah chapter 23, he says, his word is like fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. Uh, in Isaiah 55, 11, he says that his word never returns void. It always accomplishes the purpose for which he sent it. And so, you know, what, what do we have to say that compares to the word of God? I mean, listen to the power of the word of God. And so if you want lives to be changed, if you want people to be saved, if you want people to be sanctified, if you want people to be equipped for every good work, preach the Bible. Um, so those would be, you know, a couple of the main reasons. I, I would also kind of throw in there that I think it, it helps us fulfill the Great Commission, which the second half of the Great Commission is, you know, well, the first half is going to all the world, making disciples, baptizing them. And then the second half is teaching them. And so um, preaching expository messages allows us to teach all that Christ has commanded. We're teaching the whole counsel of God rather than just teaching whatever comes to our minds or whatever we're passionate about, you know, that week or that month or that season. And so, I, yeah, I, I don't know. There's a lot of reasons why. Andrew, do you want to add anything that maybe you thought I missed there? The only thing I would say, too, is I, you did a really good job, but just to state it explicitly, the, you know, the connection, the reason why we speak uh, or the reason why we preach uh, expositionally is because there is a because of our theology of the word, right? I mean, and if, you know, when Paul tells Timothy that, uh, that all scripture is God breathed and profitable, and he goes on in the end of that verse is so that the man or woman of God may be complete or perfect, depending on your translation, equipped for everything, every good work. I mean, what is our goal in life? Uh, at least with our relationship with, with Christ, it's to be like him, it's to be perfect, mm. it's to be complete. It's to be equipped for whatever he's called us to or whatever situation he providentially puts in our lives. And so because we have that uh, elevation of the authority and sufficiency of Scripture, uh, where else would we go when it comes to trying to uh, educate, encourage, exhort, uh, build up, you know, transform people uh, mm. through through the, the medium of, of preaching? And so uh, I think. If you don't have a, uh, I don't want to want to come on too strong because I think it will, I think we're going to get to you know different kinds of preaching. Um, it's not like you have to do it my way in order to be uh, respecting God's word, but there's a connection. I think if you're not doing text-driven preaching, I think it shows a deficiency in your theology of uh, the Bible. So yeah, it's a, authority, a it's sufficiency, very close to theology of scripture and our our philosophy of preaching. Agreed. Uh, because at the end of the day, we're not giving people what they actually need the most, which is the word of God and the place where God has made himself known in his word. Mm -hmm. That's where the, the gospel is made known. That's where you could even, you know, Christ, 
I think of like the passages in Luke 24, right? The scriptures, all of them testify about me. He opened to them all the things that were there concerning himself. If we want to give people Jesus, what's the best way to do that? To give them uh, his word. That's something why we mm. feel so passionate about this. Uh, but that being said, you did mention something important, Andrew. Uh, is there room for variety and difference in expository preaching? When we say that people need to be preaching expositionally, are we saying that it always needs to look the same in every church? No, I don't think so at all. I, I think it needs to be like we started this conversation, text-driven preaching. Now, you know, I know uh, of a well-known pastor who did a series and did one sermon on each book of the Bible. Uh, and preaching the main theme and purpose and, uh, you know, applications from from each book. Uh, what we normally do at Westwood is go verse by verse, passage by passage through books of the Bible, what we would call serial exposition. That's where we've landed. That's what we normally do. We think that's healthy. We think it's a good way to keep ourselves off of our soapboxes and keep our axes away from the, the grinder and make sure that we're giving people the whole counsel of God, right? Um, but there are sermons that can be topical too. We'll do that from time to time. And some churches do that most of the time where they'll take a topic or a series of topics um, and they will um, like, I don't know, issues facing Christians today, something like that. And they will go and look at sexuality according to the Bible and the sanctity of life according to the Bible and being peacemakers according to the Bible, you know, something like that. But rather than drive that theme and sprinkle scriptures, that can be made expositional as well. If you find the right text that you camp in and you let that text drive again uh, the sermon. And so there's different lengths all of us as expositors are um, making decisions about what size sections of text to take. And so some will go very slowly through a book. Some will go quick, more quickly through a book. Some will take the more topical approach. All of those things can be uh, expositional preaching. And I think if they want to be powerful and tap into the promises of God uh, that are attached to preaching in his word, then they should be. Uh, expositional. So it doesn't have to look the same. Uh, it can look very different. And uh, even the style, you know, preacher to preacher is going to be a different style. Uh, it doesn't have to be the same way that you form an outline. It doesn't have to be the same kind of personality and the way that it's delivered. There can be lots of variation, uh, all drawing from from the text and allowing the text to to drive uh, to drive the sermon. Yeah, I think that's really good. You know, even at Westwood, where we practice what we call uh, serial exposition, where we tend to go straight through books of the Bible. Um, right now, we're, you know, last week we were in the end of uh, James 3. This week, we're going to be in the beginning of James 4. And we do that because it helps us to um, cover, we feel like, the whole counsel of God. But that being said, we have definitely taken many breaks in our serial exposition and have done uh topical type series so like tommy just put in here our producer we did that series on biblical manhood and womanhood um that a lot of our people found very helpful but i think the key was even the the messages that you and jeremy preached um at those times it was a topic but that topic whatever the highlight was for the day was always rooted in the text and your ideas were always right. being 
driven by the text. She didn't say, well, here's what I'd like to say about, you know, manhood and womanhood, and then find scriptures to back it up. You started with what would the, what does the Bible say? And how can I even topically let the text drive uh, this sermon? Well, the text is king. You know what I mean? Because, because God is supreme. It's just, it, it amazes me at times how, and, and Andrew alluded to this, you know, how we can say we believe that scripture is powerful, it's sufficient. We can talk about all the attributes of scripture. We can say it's authoritative. And then we try to substitute something else in there, you know, our, our own idea or our own, you know, philosophy of something and then get scripture to support that rather than coming to scripture and saying, I submit, I submit to what, what you say, God, I submit to your word and I'm preaching it. And whether it be on biblical manhood or womanhood or just a book of the Bible, um, the text is king because God is king. So, Absolutely. So guys, maybe someone is listening to this podcast right now and uh, their heart is burning in them a little bit because uh, maybe they're wrestling with the question, am I called to do the thing that we're talking about here? Am I called to be a preacher? So how would you guys in a, uh, in a shortened version here, answer that question. How do I know if I'm called to be a preacher? We'll start with you, Jeremy. Yeah, I think it starts with, um, you know, and, and it's hard, you know, we put this question in here today to be answered and, and, uh, and it's really a hard question to answer because, um, I think everyone, as they listen to the Bible being preached faithfully, especially by someone who's called to do it. If they listen to the Bible being preached faithfully by someone who's empowered by the Holy Spirit to be doing such, their hearts will burn. Um, I, I think of you know the passage where Jesus is on the road to a, and, and, and the disciples are there with him, and it says, didn't, didn't our hearts burn within us as he unfolded the scriptures? And so I think it starts with that. You'll have a, you, you will love preaching. You will love good preaching. You know what I mean? And then the question is, is do you then have a desire to do the same? I remember being in middle school and listening to Doyle Payton preach sermons and my heart burning within me. But I didn't yet have a desire to do the, th the same thing. And then I'm in college and I start teaching a Bible study and, and I started feeling that, that same kind of feeling, my, my heart burning within me to teach it, not just, not just as I heard it, but to actually teach it. Like I, I start studying the scriptures and I'm like, I got to tell people about this. And so I would say it starts with a desire um, to go and, and do likewise. You know what I mean? When you're listening to a good preacher, it starts with a good a desire. I mean, I want to do that same thing. And then you start studying the Bible and then there's this, this burning and this, this, this feeling in your soul, I guess you could say, uh, to preach. And, and it's an internal call. And, and I think that God uses that call to um, to motivate us to go do it. It's almost as if if you're called to preach, if you're called to, to to pastor and preach, you won't be able to not preach. And um, it's kind of hard to explain. But but then on top of that, I'd say there's an external part of the call too, and that that's where the local church is involved. They have to recognize that you're called to do it. They have to recognize that you're gifted to do it. They have to be being blessed by it. Uh, and, and I think the average church member can do that. I, I really do. I think when somebody gets up to preach, if they're good at it, your average church member is going to have 
uh, the ability to say, yeah, that person, that person's pretty good at teaching. Now, um, be careful about asking the average church member what they think, because your average church member is a really nice person. That's, that's probably not going to be super, super honest all the time if they know it's going to hurt your feelings. Um, but ask some of those church members that know you and love you and are willing to give you truth. And, and, and so anyway, yeah, get the, get confirmation from the church, but make sure that you're getting it from people that are, that are not just being sweet and kind and, and trying not to let you down. Um, so the internal call, this passion, this desire to preach God's word, you also have some giftedness to do it. You know what I mean? And the church will recognize that that's the external part. I would just add one thing to each of that internal external call. Um, I think both of those are essential. Uh, part of the internal call, I think too, is a love for not just a love for God's word, but a love for studying it and mm-hmm. reading it. Great point. And, uh, reading books about it. You know, you don't have to be, uh, you know, straight A student or some kind of scholar or something like that, but you can't, I mean, part of being a good preacher is being able to. Yeah, not a, not everybody's a, like you, Andrew. Be, be at a desk <laughs> or for hours and to study, you know, cause, cause it's easy. It's it, especially once you've been doing it for a while to take shortcuts and not do the hard work of exegesis oh, yeah. that we said earlier. So if you don't like doing it you'll find a way not to do it. And then right. you're going to shortchange yourself and your people. So I think part of that internal call is the, that burning desire to preach, but also a love of the study of God's word and everything that comes along with it that'll fuel that, that preaching. Right. And then on the external side too, I think part of the external call is recognizing the giftedness, but also recognizing and affirming the qualifications for being an elder. I mean, in our understanding, I mean, a call to preach at least in a vocational sense, is a call to be a pastor, an elder, an overseer uh, that we see as synonymous. So part of what the church is doing is vetting your life as well as your giftedness uh, in order to be able to step into uh, in order to step into that to that vocation. So yeah, right. external and, and internal call are both super important. And I think usually the external call is the one that's shortchanged. You know, usually we Mm. don't want to submit to what the church has to say or open up our lives and uh, put ourselves out there enough to really hear uh, what the what the church has to say about about our giftedness. Well, and one of the things that's connected to that, you know, Andrew, you you mentioned uh, this desire to study the word, this desire to, um, you know, unfold the scriptures. Well, if you're practicing expository preaching in your church. And this is why I think expository preaching is extremely important in the local church. If you're practicing the right handling of the word, then other people will associate preaching with the Bible and studying the Bible. If you're getting up and you're preaching just topical messages and sprinkling in some scripture here and there, uh, it shouldn't be any surprise when people are like, wow, that's kind of cool to stand up in front of people and talk and entertain them or, or whatever it might be that they feel like the quote unquote preacher is doing. But if, if you're modeling faithful biblical exegesis each and every week, what will happen is, and this has been my experience, uh, this was kind of what happened in my own calling to preach, but also I've seen it in, in as other people in our churches have been called to preach, uh, the people there who God has gifted to study his word and unfold his word and communicate his word, they will, they will see what you're doing and they will say, I want to do the same. And so 
Um, I think that's another reason why we got to preach expositionally, because I, I think it helps when it comes to uh, others figuring out whether or not they're called to be a pastor, to be a preacher. It's good. Absolutely. Uh, a book I love to recommend to folks interested in whether they're called is a book called Am I Called by uh, Dave Harvey. It's uh, more broad, broader than just preaching. That's but a good one of book. the chapters literally is, can you preach? Question mark. So yeah, it's a great book if you're interested in <laughs> digging into this a little hey, bit more. Can, can I throw something in there uh, real quick? Um, Please. Oh man. So yeah, I was just going to say, you know, over the years, it's it's been amazing to me how many um, how many young people have have wrestled with a call, and I think this is this is um, you know there's really two things I want to say. I think for, for that young person that that's wrestling with a call, find someone to disciple you that's mature in the faith, and and don't be afraid to ask even a pastor if you feel like maybe I'm called to be a pastor. Ask one of your pastors to disciple you. Uh, trust me, we we love to disciple people that are looking to go into the ministry. And so one of the best ways to figure out if you're called to do it is to to walk hand in hand in a way you could say with somebody that does it and 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 ask them, you know, the, the questions that are that are in your heart. Um and 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 also too, um I was gonna say, man, I I forget now. There was a second thing that that was uh related to what we were discussing that just kind of slipped my mind. But um Oh shoot! It happens. I can't okay. remember. But anyways, go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead, brother. Move on. Carry on. No, that's good stuff, guys. All right. Um, here's a question: If folks are looking for a good model in this way, obviously, I would recommend uh, the two fellows I'm sitting with. Pretty good models, in my opinion. But uh, who is your favorite expository preacher, or one of your favorites? It's hard to have a favorite. Uh, or who's maybe someone who is? Two questions: Who's your favorite, or one of your favorites? And who is maybe someone that maybe folks haven't heard of, who's maybe a hidden gem of an expositor? It can be the same person, or maybe it's one and then someone else. I'll just let whichever one of you is ready to uh, go for it. Well, so, yeah, it is hard to, to to narrow it down because usually my my favorite expositor is the one that I'm listening to at the time, whether, you know, for whatever I'm preparing or or the like. Um, he's very hard to reproduce, but my favorite, one of my favorite preachers is Alistair Begg. A lot of people love Alistair Begg. I, I love the way that he, he, for the most part does serial exposition like we do. Um, he is definitely explaining the text and applying, he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a traceable method that happens every time he preaches. That's why, I mean, he's, he's hard. He's not kind of reproducible and he has a great accent, you know, and, and sort of thing that you, you don't want to try to fake. We, we could do do's and don'ts of preaching sometime. Uh, it would be a good podcast as well, but he's, he's a, one of my favorites, just somebody I've been blessed by for years and years. Uh, and you know, I'll come back to the one. Uh, I'll let Jeremy answer that first one, and I'll I'll think more about the uh, the hidden gem. Yeah. Oh, again, Alistair Begg is one of my favorites. Uh, I, I would say Kevin D. Young though is probably one that I've really benefited from. Uh, he handles the text well. You can tell he's he's studied it. He 
he submits to the scriptures and, and lets the scripture drive his sermon, but yet he does it in a very winsome way. He he, he does it in a very engaging way. Uh, he, he's he's not all head and no heart. He had this, I think, a good blend of the two. Um, that would be maybe I, I wouldn't say he's a hidden gem by any any means, but I, I don't think a lot of people listen to Kevin D. Young and think of Kevin D. Young as one of the best expositors out there right now. Um, of course, you know, you got John Piper and, you know, John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul. And one, one of my favorites is Martin Lloyd-Jones. He also, his method sometimes is very hard to reproduce. I would agree uh, with Andrew, you know what I mean, um, about Alistair Begg as well. Uh, you have to be careful. But I think Kevin DeYoung is one that is reproducible. Uh, Herschel York. Herschel York is a great expositor, and and uh, he's uh, he's definitely reproducible. Um, Andrew and I had him as a professor, but hidden gem. I, I, I'm going to save it for a second. I'm going to hear who Andrews is first. Yeah, my favorite would be uh, have to say Alistair Begg as well for the reasons given. But yeah, Andrew, hidden gem. Let's hear it. <laughs> Yeah, so my uh, a hidden gem that I would say is the the pastor, uh, Pastor Kimble, K-I-M-B-L-E, um, from, uh, he's, he's a pastor in Louisville at, uh, I'm, now that you ask me this, I'm totally failing to remember the name of the church, but he uh, visit where all the professors go, um, Sean Wright and uh, Tom oh. Schreiner was preaching with him for a while. And yeah, um, um, my goodness, I actually swear. visited there. Um, I'll think this of it here in a minute. Me. It's okay. It's not ninth, ninth and O is where Cook and, and no, Lord and all them were, but it's, it's the other one that everybody goes to. Yeah, not everybody goes to it. Um, I'll Google it, Jeremy. You answer, and I'll, I'll figure this out. Yeah, so a hidden gem. Here's what I would say, and and I and I do not mean this to to flatter uh, anyone that's on this podcast, but I think Andrew Balich is a phenomenal example of an expositor. Uh, I recommend his sermons to a lot of folks um, outside of our church, um, people that I meet. Uh, I, I think he is. Uh, I, I would also say that um, I don't know how many people listen to. Um, Oh, what's the name of the? I got to look this one up here too, real quick. Um, I've only listened to like three of his messages, but I think he does a phenomenal job. Uh, it's David. Is David Legee? Is that what's the name? Doyle Payton um, turned me on to him. I can't can't think of his name right now. Preach the word. Let me find it. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name either. Yeah, I probably should have been prepared, more prepared for that question, but Clifton, Clifton Baptist, Clifton Baptist Church, and in in Louisville, yeah, their their lead pastor now. He used to share the pulpit with Tom Schreiner, which would be uh, a little bit of an intimidating thing to do. Uh, but Tom Schreiner is now just completely teaching at the seminary, and uh, Kimball's there preaching uh, pretty much every week, and uh, he's a not a well known preacher, but he is uh preaching to well-known preachers and seminary professors and uh and has one of those reproducible methods that is really a uh if you just want kind of a pastor that's not in the limelight uh but is very good and very sharp and very uh 
uh, reproducible. He, he would be, he would be my, my hidden gem. That's helpful. David Legee is Hid- the name of, or leg or something like that is the one I was thinking of. Go ahead though. Luke. David Legee. I'll have to look him up. I don't uh, hidden to gem much, for but... me. Yeah. Hidden gem for me would be uh, Jared Mellinger. I think is how you say his name. He is a sovereign grace pastor out of Pennsylvania somewhere. <laughs> and uh, he's a great example of how to do expositional preaching uh, in a way that's faithful to the text, but also with a lot of um, authentic uh, passion and energy in a way that's not boring. Uh, and also in a way that's very Christ centered. He does a great job of showing how all the Bible points to uh, Jesus. So he's someone who I enjoy listening to and definitely recommend you. You've recommended check sermons out. to me from him. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, for listeners, we would love for you to be sending us in questions if you are interested in doing so. So we're going to be putting a form up at our website. Uh, westwoodcma.org. You can click on resources, click on the crook in the book, um, and feel free just to fill out that form and to uh, let us know what you would like for us to discuss on this podcast. We're very interested to know. So thanks for listening today. Uh, thanks to our producer, Tommy Macias, in the background, as always. Our music is by Gregory Allen Isakov. And join us again here in a couple of weeks for another episode of the Crook in the Book podcast. We'll talk to you then.